0: sustainable profitable business must generate strong and consistent sales with the serving mindset you will learn how to serve elevate your business success and feel great all at the same time but what is serving mindset this is your host swami sri parambadur and you are listening to leadership in crisis podcast and we have invited a special guest Purnosh Brock, the author of the serving mindset, stop selling and grow your business. For no, she is an electrical engineer by education. After a successful 12-year career at a tech fortune 100, she started her own company in 2011 and partnered with her husband in 2012. Since then, she has authored four books and created several professional development programs and coached hundreds of entrepreneurs and executives and professionals. The core of her work is around success mindset and strategies that elevate impact, influence, and income for all. She's excited to share her insights and strategies with us today around leadership during crisis with the concept of serving mindset. Purnush, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Swami. Thank you for having me and for that kind introduction. I am so excited to talk to you about this topic because more than ever, I think, you know, we need to rise to serve and lead others. So let's dive
0: in. Excellent. Thank you, Fernando. So before we go further, just give a, a little bit about what is a serving mindset from your perspective, so all my listeners across the globe can understand. What is serving mindset before we go why it is it important?
1: Yes. Yes. Let's do start with the definition. So I want you to think about your interactions with others, right? Whatever interaction you have, whether it's with your employee, your boss, your clients, your prospects, with the serving mindset, you enter every interaction without an agenda of your own all of us have an agenda we want something at the end of the conversation you need to drop that agenda and you need to go into that interaction with the genuine desire to serve that person's highest interest okay that's the most high level essence of it and when you do that which first needs to happen in your mindset and in your belief system, and then in your actions, something shifts in the way you connect with others, and it changes the outcomes and results that you create. So, and I can give examples now, or turn it over to you if you want to lead yeah, us. No, I think, up. I
0: guess, that's a good good way to start, and thank you. And again, I'm glad to have your signed book with me, in The Serving, <laughs> head. thank you so much. Appreciate it. So I read the book and it is so interesting. I have actually canceled all my appointments and started reading till the end of the book on one single day because it was so interesting I couldn't leave in between. And uh, it has a lot of interesting topics and that I want to really ask you a couple of questions before we go further. So you sure. talked about five mindsets in the serving mindset to move us away from selling and towards serving. In the first mindset, you are not selling, you are serving. You talk about how is this a competitive advantage. So can you tell us more?
1: Yes. So again, think about that interaction you go into it, right? If you are coming from that agenda, let's say it's with a prospective client. Okay, and when you're coming from a place of, okay, I'm going to have a conversation with this potential client, you probably want to close them at the end of that conversation. You want to tell them how you can help them. You want to maybe get a referral out of them if they're not going to work with you. All of those are ways of selling, different ways of selling. And we need to do the opposite. So the way to enter that opposite state of operation, if you will, in your mind is to go from that agenda to a state of complete curiosity and caring. So in other words, you say to yourself, okay, I'm having a conversation with Swami and he's expressed that interest um, in possibly working with me. So here we are talking instead of me saying, Oh, I hope Swami signs up to become my client at the end of this. I would ask myself, I wonder how I might even be able to help Swami, which means I wonder what is Swami's real challenge right now? What is his real situation? What is it he is struggling with? Not people like him, because then you generalize. And that's why we get those massive LinkedIn spammy messages. But specifically Swami, his character, his experiences, what is his struggle at this point in his journey? whether it's career business and when you go into that place of curiosity which very few people do and you care from that place and you detach from your agenda and your outcome at the same time you are you know serving in a certain framework we're not going to give swami four free hours of coaching that's not the point but we are in that hour that we have agreed to spend together we come from a place of serving and caring. If you do just that, you are above 90% of your competition because everyone goes into these conversations, even though they pretend otherwise, there is an agenda. And let me tell you, Swami can feel that agenda even if I try to hide it. And he may think, well, that's just how business is done. She has an agenda, I have an agenda. But serving comes from a different place. So if you want to adopt the serving mindset, There
0: is no room for your agenda wow that's so powerful and so kind i think you're showing a great empathetic leadership yeah which is not just saying but you are believing and you are really living with it with a serving mindset man that's kind of a, a completely shift to your mindset
1: it's 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 I mean I'm not just like saying this and it's a good idea this has saved my business and of course saved me and my husband from going back and getting jobs and also when I teach it to my clients whether it is a corporate professional going in to pitch an idea at the decision table or a client uh, going to you know create new clients for themselves it works But you have to have the desire and the curiosity to change the way you show up, the way you connect with people, the way you operate. And it is truly the way that I have been able to more than like triple or quadruple my coaching and have the best clients because, you know, we invest in people, we build trust, which is such a rare currency right now. (laughs) And... If you can do that, the business will take care of itself.
0: Excellent. So I think uh, this is wonderful explanation, but then I have a couple of questions on the same. So what if we are skeptical about the concept of serving actually working, say we are watching our friends do well with cold calling, teaching their services just fine. And we are wondering why try anything different than these sure. techniques yeah. to generate sales, right? You know, there are already proven techniques, so why should I deviate from him? So what do you think? Yeah.
1: What would I say to that? So, I mean, I've tried all those proven techniques and they work. I'm not going to deny that. Of course they work. That's why people do it. You get cold calls and soliciting, even if you hang up on them, because it works, a percentage of Um, Those convert, okay? But the reason you might want to look into serving, and it's not for everyone, if those methods are working for you, great. But the reason you might want to look in another direction, which is what, what I did, is because those methods, when you do them in your business, they make you feel a little bit misaligned with what you believe, with your character, with your principles. And of course, you can still keep doing it. I mean, when I was in my corporate job and I started to see how this is really what the company means or the management, of course, I wasn't going to quit my job. It was just like, okay, this is just how it is. I'm going to keep going and show up and pretend everything is fine. But at some point and in my career too, I reached a tipping point where I didn't want to feel a certain way about what I did to other people. In other words, I know what it feels like to be sold to. You can feel someone's agenda a mile away. I hate that feeling. I can't stand it. I can't build relationships with people who do that. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to do that day in and day out to my prospective clients in hopes of closing business. If you feel that way, Mm -hmm. like you are, in your business, whether you are the salesperson or you are the president, but you're doing the sales and you feel just uneasy, uncomfortable, um, maybe even a little bit disgusted with <laughs> what you have to do to close a deal, then I want you to know there is another way to achieve your goals. Yeah. So. Perfect, Perfect.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. So I think that leads to uh, a different uh, question. See, you are by profession an engineer so that means you are coming from a technical background and uh, predominantly i'm not saying generalized but predominantly what we have seen all most most of the technical people are mostly introvert so in your case you started your own business being an engineer being uh, named as introvert because of the technical background so my question to you is what would you say to these introverts among us who are extremely uncomfortable with selling because once you become an entrepreneur you yes. have to be part of it right if without selling how do you grow your business and your title says don't sell but get the profit so uh, so what, <laughs> So without selling how do i get the profit so please give us some light on what is that you want to offer the uh, introverts?
1: yes Explain myself, right?
0: <laughs> um, yeah, probably, so, that's true. <laughs>
1: right? So, first of all, um, why was I going to start with this? The reason some people, like technical people like myself, who go into business and then back out and go get a job, there is a n- number of them, is because they believe they have to be a certain personality. Like, you know, your typical loud, obnoxious salesperson. They believe they have to do that in their business to have the client. And so they think to themselves, okay, I really don't want to have a job. I think I can do it. I think I can, you know, become an extrovert just for these conversations or do the pitching and all that. And they realize it's really harder than it sounds. It's really hard to be somebody else. And then, you know, even if it means you have to do it in your business. So they get discouraged and they quit their business. And what do you hear? You hear, well, I'm just not a salesperson. Well, I just couldn't do the selling. Well, I loved having a business, but the selling was what got me. And so they quit, which is a shame because part of the reason I went down this path, now I didn't like selling, not because I was shy, but because it just didn't align to how I wanted to make other people feel. But number one distinction to make here, you do not have to be an extrovert to be great at building those relationships, at serving people and at closing business. You don't. And number two, for those of you who feel that way, you are an introvert and you probably are even more um, turned off by the selling tactics than the average person, then the serving mindset is ideal for you because it focuses on relationships. It focuses on you showing up and seeing if you can help someone else with your knowledge and expertise. It focuses on building trust and creating a comfortable environment. All of that you can do and um, you don't have to do any of these crazy sales tactics. You do have to learn because I've had clients like this and we can talk about them you do have to understand how to build relationships how to show up as a leader as in somebody who is confident that needs to come through and now just because you're an introvert doesn't mean you don't have it but sometimes when people are introverts they're also you know sometimes they don't feel confident but the confidence needs to come through but beyond that you need to build those relationships and just as you need to trust others before you buy from them imagine how you can do that earn their trust before they buy from you because even though we don't want to sell we want people to buy
0: that's true that's right so So. so i think by listening to what you are saying what i feel is It is more important for extroverts to learn serving mindset because they are already extrovert. They always go use all the sales techniques. They don't think about the serving mindset and because introvert, they already feel they don't like sales. They are actually in building the relationships. So in my mind, I feel more extroverts have to read because introverts by uh, their, their concept itself, they are surrendering themselves.
1: Yes, yes. Some of that, some of those trends may be true, but you know, when it comes down to it, I think as an individual, and you could be somewhat of an introvert, somewhat of an extrovert. I think that sometimes is just hard. Like if we had no labels, right? Think about like you are who you are. Yeah. You have certain strengths and you have certain areas that you're improving. You have, you like some things, you don't like some things. Like in my business, there are things I still don't like. Those are still things we need to do. But this is is about how selling makes you feel your belief system around selling, which is shaped by your experiences and your observations in life and you know your family, how they viewed selling, like in an Iranian culture, it's purely academic. We don't think about entertainment or sports or you know any kind of career like sales career, like who would go into that? So that is sort of like where my opinion some of it was formed but um but I think you need to look at yourself and say okay what is my greatest challenge in business and if it's about selling what about selling is it how it makes you feel is it how it just doesn't um make you feel comfortable then you're not serving yourself or others by staying in there you need to change something And you still need to do this for your business and for your mission and purpose because you got into business to help people. But this roadblock is getting in the way. It got in my way and I had to solve it because there was no way, Swami, I was gonna go back and get a job. So it was either Andy was gonna get a job or nobody was gonna get a job and neither of those options looked good. (laughs) So I think we came to the conclusion that, you know, we had to figure something out and, And now today, when I get on a prospecting call, when I am talking to someone, it feels good for me and for them the entire way. Like at the end, of course, sometimes I wish somebody said yes because I really believe it would have worked out, but I don't ever make them feel sold to. Now, to make a distinction there at the same time, because sometimes this gets confused with never making an offer, that's not true. See, think of it as, how can I serve this person? That's the mantra you go into the conversation with. And if after Swami, say back to our example, after Swami has shared with me his challenges, his specific areas that he needs help, and I feel, well, I can definitely help him. That is my sweet spot. I would first ask permission, Swami. We have had a great conversation and I fully understand your situation and I am highly confident I can help you. Would you like us to explore some ideas? And if I have his permission, I don't presume, you see, if I have his permission, then I would say, well, I can help you in this capacity. I can help you with this and this and this. Would you like me to tell you more? And this isn't a tactic to get him to move down the line or anything like that. It's to make sure we're on the same page. If he says to me, you know what, I'm good for now, and people say that to me, I'm good for now. I'm like, great, I'm so glad I was able to serve you for today. And as our next steps, maybe we reconnect in a month or you tell me your update. But if we see an opportunity to make an offer, we ask permission and then we make that offer because that is also serving Swami.
0: Absolutely, no, actually you, you made a good point because my next question was the same thing, you know, in the serving mindset, how do you approach the offer? But before I ask, I think you made it. But uh, one other thing you said, you know, you have that, um, you're from Iran, I'm from India and we are now in US, but you have some cultural aspects of it, right? So yes. How do you define uh, the impact of serving mindset with different cultures and different geographic locations? How do you tie those things?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say, and you and I were talking about this right before your show, how we are more similar than different as a, as a race, all of us around the world. So I think some things are common, you know, like people all over the world prefer kindness over harshness. We yes. don't have to go test this. It is true, we, we know that people prefer you to be polite versus rude. I would dare put serving over selling in the same category, you know, in that in businesses around the world, if you are in a culture where, I don't know, things are really different than the Western system, at the end of the day, if somebody is interested in what you have, they don't want the pressure of having to buy from you they would like you to come across as somebody who cares about them, somebody who can tell them about it, somebody who respects the boundaries. So I like to think that serving actually breaks down those barriers. Um, and, and again, I could be wrong, but you know, I have taught this to people from different countries and they have been to, it has resonated with them. Um, my book, you know, I, I know that people from at least seven or eight countries have read it multiple from each and um it seems like it's not a strange concept it's like okay that makes sense but everyone's situation is unique, so that i will understand whether wherever you are you may have similar situations but again yours and who you are your situation and who you are both of those make the whole thing unique and so you are going to apply serving mindset differently than i would or swami but the basic principles of it will apply across the board.
0: No, that's true. That's true. I think uh, you no, know, because it's all about the relationships, and to build the relationships, you need uh, the kindness and empathy, and that yeah. is what you are saying—the serving mindset and thinking about it without any tax attached. You know, go with that. Uh, you know, yes. agenda. So that—that's a great point. So I want to ask you: this serving mindset. I think you have already started this book last couple of years, but uh-huh. pandemic is. Uh, hit this year and last six to seven months everybody is really affected by the pandemic yeah. So, how do you see the serving mindset before compared to now like you know is it increased more in this pandemic i use is more adopting serving mindset because of the pandemic do you see any impact of the pandemic of adopting the serving mindset is my question
1: well, I, I would start by saying the pandemic has made us shift our priorities, right? <laughs> and has made us quickly realize that uh, the human connection, the, the, um, the depth of our relationships actually matter. Because now things are a little bit more difficult. Jobs are a little bit more uncertain. And so you're thinking to yourself, okay, How much does my company like me and trust me and care about me? Right. It comes down to the relationships. And so because of that, I feel that any skills that you can build around going deeper in your relationships, which is essentially what the serving mindset is, can only help you.
0: I can tell you personally,
1: I know that my fellow coaches might be struggling, but my business has expanded because I know a lot of people, whether it's in the corporate space or the business space, where they are looking to invest in themselves because they know they are their own greatest asset. They know that the way they communicate right now, the way they build relationships and continue to build trust is possibly going to save their job and not just improve their career and get promoted, but just save their job and, um, you know, Position them in a way that their company can see the real value. So um, I would say the serving mindset is even more important. And let's take leaders. So all year long, um, we have been giving, my husband and I put together this uh, Leadership During Crisis uh, presentation, which we have had the pleasure of bringing to your team at America and uh, many other companies and it's because i wanted to talk to leaders and individuals but also leaders about how you need to bring empathy trust and service into your teams right now it's even more important than before because now it's a matter of our mental health and wellness that's how our leaders view us and see us like it is critical that you serve your teams, you serve people, you serve those around you. And this is not even in the context of business, like you just want to do your part so that globally, as a planet, we get through this pandemic, which seems to only lengthen, but um, we need that. So I think that, and I'm glad to see that momentum because uh, we, um, you know, we really need it. So, I would say it's even more important than before, to
0: be of a serving mindset. That's good. That's good. So one of the things which caught my attention and probably everybody's thinking, mm-hmm. is reading the book, you know, active listening. Okay. So that is uh, definitely very important. But from your perspective, what is that one or two phrase which somebody has to adopt in demonstrating the active listening? So what is that
1: um, you can Yes, and you know, um, just to tell you, this may be true for India too, but like in my family in Iran where I grew up, if you weren't shouting, you weren't going to be heard, you know? So, <laughs> it's not like we wait, nobody ever in my family waits until someone has a stopped talking. I mean, that is just unheard of, right? We're all talking at the same time, and um, it, it's exhausting. I don't recommend it, but... I'm telling you this because, you know, we need to do the opposite when we are in important conversations, in crucial conversations. So I have had to learn this and I work at this every day. So one tip I will give you, let's get practical, is Mm -hmm. we love talking more than listening, which I think Swami and I both do, right? (laughs) We do. Let's admit it. Um, It's true, right? What you need to do is you need to train yourself. So that before you respond, so even if the person has finished, before you, re- they, you respond to them, train yourself to say something like, that's great, Swami. Tell me more. I'm curious. How did you do that? Um, go into a little more detail for me. What a great story. What happened next? Train yourself to ask what I call follow up questions before sharing your thoughts. And this has the multiple effect of A, Swami will hopefully feel appreciated, heard and understood. And you build a little more connection there because he will feel that you are listening. And second, you train yourself to wait a little longer before you give your advice, your opinion, your reaction. And that's what you need to do in your body. You need to basically build a buffer so that you don't immediately, you're not ready to jump as soon as somebody has finished talking. You know, of course, this is not extraneous circumstances aside, right? You're excited, you see somebody, after the pandemic, you go for a coffee, and that is that sounds so exciting right now, right? And you're both talking, great. But if you, you are, say, in a, in a job interview, in a crucial conversation with your boss, working with your client, you will never ever regret listening more before speaking and the other benefit is when i end up you know after swami has finished when i eventually offer my advice swami is now returning the favor and he's in active listening mode to me true And, and and so that connection is it feels so good when we when we get there and it takes practice so be kind to yourself
0: that's true so tell me more
1: Yes, there you go. (laughs) Exactly, exactly.
0: So that's that's very powerful. But I think this comes to my next question on powerful conversations, right? So let's say sometimes what holds us back from having more powerful conversations with our prospects is not having all the answers for them. So we tend to keep the dialogue contained or safe but you talk about going deeper into conversations to build more trust. So how do you advise handling the times we don't know the answer?
1: Okay, so let's make a distinction between not having all the answers, but being very good at what you do. Nobody has all the answers, I don't care who they are, but there are people who are amateurs at what they do, then you are mediocre, and then you are a pro. Right. So you want to operate where you are. You don't want to pretend you are more than you are. If I started my coaching practice last year, I am not going to sit in front of you and pretend I'm a professional coach that has practiced 10 years.
0: I am going to maybe
1: disclose that, look, I just started my practice and I'm still learning. But if I'm a pro, then I know that I can go deep. As a pro at your job, your gift, your expertise, You need to have the ability to go deep in subject matters. And this is actually a good test because you then ask yourself, can I go deep? You know, like I work with some of my clients for years. That doesn't mean they don't improve. That means I can take them that deep in leadership in communication relationship building and they're moving up the ladder they are you know like my vp client at fidelity you know he's improved a ton but we're going to continue to work together because he can see this work never ends and it keeps paying off so i know i can go deep in my work now after many years of experience and education and for you wherever you are know your comfort zone so let's say you get the surface level challenges can you go deeper can you discuss not just the technical challenges but also maybe the emotional challenges of the pandemic on top of whatever you're helping someone with can you expand that is a skill in itself but it's not the same as not having all the answers I am very comfortable telling someone, you know what, I am not really, I actually told this to someone else, um, somebody who was moving from a government job up in the at the, at the Hill uh, in DC down to the private sector. Mm-hmm. And I told her, I said, you know what, I am not at all familiar with the, the way the government uh, space works. However, I can share some ideas with you. And by the end of that call, I felt so confident that some of the things I know actually apply to the same thing. We were logically trying to figure out what skills of hers can transfer from the government sector to the private sector. But I actually feel confident saying, I don't know the answer to that, but you know what? I will go look into it for us and circle back with you. So does that answer your question, Swami? I
0: think that is pretty good because that actually what I'm doing is, I'm calling that as a vulnerable leadership quality because Mm -hmm. especially in the pandemic, a lot of the leadership at the top level may not exactly know what is happening because nobody knows because Mm -hmm. there are people are asking uh, uh, a a question okay are we opening the offices are we opening the schools are we opening this you know nobody has the answers even the entire globe all the top leaders in the globe nobody knows the answers but it is all about how open and transparent you are and how empathetic you are how vulnerable you are so that's what I think I was reading so I just want to know so that's good uh, information but let me talk so
1: about. oh sorry about that let me just give you one more additional tip just in case we have sure. a leader listening so in that context what might be helpful is you know we don't know the full answer here is what we do know and if you can just categorize that for people because everything is shifting and forming and your answers depends on the news and the, you know the progress over here so You could say, look, I don't know the answers, the CEO is still figuring it out, but here is what we do know. And that phrase and sharing what you do know, that helps people process, gives them a sense of control, gives you a sense of control. Because if you just say you don't know in that leadership position, that's not very reassuring either. And you do know some things. You do know, for instance, that it's not gonna be any earlier than January. Um, this is the capacity we will be operating in on this time. This is the support we can give you. Whatever it is that you do know, even repeating that because you need to reassure people even as you find the answers. Yeah,
0: no, That's very true. I think the reaffirmation, assertiveness with vulnerable is important because you need to be very open and informed. So that, that's absolutely right. You you hit on the name. So that's very good. Okay. So let me just to do from the sales versus serving right so as we want to touch upon it and then with one other question we'll be wrapping up the session so i want to talk about uh, from your serving mindset i read about the pricing and you tell the readers you know you never call it as a cost or an expense but an investment so i want to talk about how increasing your prices can be a good thing for business owners and their clients and how do you do it
1: yeah great question i mean pricing is like this big big uh, big question you have when you start a business and it's not entirely arbitrary, but you have to start somewhere. Right. So at some point you need to realize that your pricing needs to be scalable for your business. Okay. If you're going to be business for a long time, it needs to be sustainable with your growing costs, with your growing team, um, with your growing skills. Right. I don't charge the prices I did even five years ago or three years ago because I'm not the same coach. I don't deliver the same level of work so think about that the reason I call it an investment is because it is if you believe you are getting giving somebody a price or a quote or a fee or a cost and there is nothing re- in return for them right so the, the ROI is a non-zero for an investment basically you put something forth and you get something back The thing you get back may be tangible, which is measurable, like money, um, more money, uh, more time saved, uh, more productivity, things that we can measure, or it could be intangible. For instance, if I help you show up as a confident person, that we don't have a measure to, to, you know, to, to identify, but you go in there, you land the interview. I had one client many years ago. He went from a VP of one company to CEO of a mid-sized gaming company. And that was with the leadership and confidence that we helped him, uh, feel and, and express. Now that wasn't something we could put dollars and cents to, but that's valid. Those are the types of returns that I do in my work. What is yours? So first you have to be able to identify do I offer something that can be seen as an investment and then how do I express that investment, how do I articulate and educate a prospect on that investment and then you incorporate it in your language. Even when someone says, so how much does this cost? I would say, I'm so glad you asked Swami. The investment for my first package is this. The investment for my second package is this. And I use investment in my contracts. I use that word because I like that word and nobody likes to have another cost or a fee added to their life. So you have to make sure it's true to you and then express it as such. And I know you asked me, oh, the pricing question. Did I answer that?
0: No, I think it is good because it is all about how do we really price it? and how do we increase the pricing? But I think it all depends upon whether it is a tangible or intangible, right? Because how do you measure it depending upon that the price goes?
1: Yes, yes. And I mean, look at what you're doing for your clients. Like if you have no idea, look back at the level of health results, outcomes you have helped them establish. Even if you had a hand in that, of course you didn't do it, they did it, but they did it with your help. What is that worth, right? Mm -hmm. If, If it was a little transactional thing, versus it was transformational in their career, in their business. Well, you need to charge appropriately because that is the only way you can attract the right type of caliber of clients who want to work with you. Exactly. So (laughs) So what
0: I do is in my customers and my employees and my teams, what I always focusing on, especially now is outcome based pricing and outcome depends upon whether it is a transactional or transformational because then People are happy to spend that money because they're able to get that return and at the end of the day As you rightly said the ROI matters and sometimes ROI is tangible Sometimes it is tangible plus intangible. It all depends on how it is because we are working with a uh, retail company where they Mm -hmm. were absolutely giving a greater user experience and uh, they are investing all on the stores so the beauty of the store people are greeting everything is good but when mm-hmm. we talked about going to e-commerce and online a couple of years ago they said no 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 we are very much face-to-face people but oh. now in this pandemic they run, came running said you know hey you know whatever you said is correct we want to go online so i have to push them into online very forcible but then now they are happy so they were almost going to bankrupt, but now we transformed yes. So in that case the ROI is so high and that they don't mind in price. So that's good. So I think uh, to end this session, I want uh, your outcome. So in this serving mindset, if everybody is really adopting serving mindset, what are the one or two outcomes you would like to express, which will be closing demand for my business?
1: Well, first of all, you're going to feel good about going into a conversation where you could possibly be having a sales conversation. You won't even call it that anymore. I call them discovery calls where I'm discovering about someone and I am excited. I am energized i am empowered to go and help someone versus feeling uncomfortable because those feelings wear on you and they wear on your nervous system so if that were the only benefit i would keep doing this but on top of that because i feel so good and i'm so confident and i have no pitching and no agenda i feel comfortable charging appropriately for my services because i'm also not attached to a yes or a no at the end If it's a resounding, yes, I am more than happy to help. So that increase in not just my clients, but the type of clients I bring on board, who are happy, who are willing to invest, who don't ever feel remorse about doing the work. Right. All of those filters we put in place because we are serving and we're also serving our needs. So I think those are some of the outcomes in a leadership role or in a in a corporate environment the serving mindset will help you um, build more allies, build a more supportive system around you, eliminate jealousy, um, get more people on your side, uh, increase your influence, uh, um, have a better voice and a more respected voice at the decision table and those are I mean, those can propel your career into beautiful directions. So um, I think it applies in both business and career. And even in your personal life, you know, if you do more listening with your spouse or life partner, I mean, it can only deepen the level of um, relationships that uh, the quality of relationships that you have. So those are some, but there are more outcomes that can surprise you. So I hope you check out the book and uh, learn more about it in depth.
0: Now, thank you, Parnush. I think you touched a very important point on having a good relationship with the spouse or you are, you know, part your partner. So I think uh, that serving mindset definitely will help and uh, I definitely can see a lot of changes in many people's lives who are able Thanks. to live happily because they are able to understand each other and that serving mindset is definitely helpful. And you touched upon a great points on empathy, kindness, building trust, resilience, and of course, all this is possible with the serving mindset. So thank you for writing this fantastic book. And thank you for giving a lot of great tips to all my listeners across the globe. So I really want to thank you for being on the show. And I also want to tell all my listeners that there are many people are lined up from different companies, corporate level, with the different cultural backgrounds and different locations. So we have been covering all the people. So absolutely stay tuned to this Leadership in Crisis podcast. And you can also find uh, Parnoosh Brock on my LinkedIn page so you can directly contact her for more information. She's so pleased to mm, work with anybody and uh, she has a, of course, the serving mindset mentality. So thank you, Parnoosh, for joining with us and giving the great tips.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure, Swami. Thank you for your great work on this podcast. And um, it was such a pleasure to have this conversation with you today. Thank you.